Hello, my name is Rob Edwards, and this is my podcast. Welcome back, one and all. Another episode of Storycast, Rob, coming your way right the now. Uh, we have a story for you today. It's not one of mine, but it is rather excellent nonetheless. Uh, a little bit more about that in a moment. Before that, of course, as ever, an update uh, of some news uh, for me. First bit of news from me, if you're listening to this at the start, okay, middle of February in fact, uh, then there is a new book coming out on Friday, uh, hits the store on the 15th of Feb, uh, which has another one of my stories in it. Uh, The book is called Gods of Clay, it is the second sci-fi round table anthology, Uh, you remember the the Quantum Soul from a couple of years ago, well this is the follow-up to that, Uh, and my story in this book is called inescapable fate. It's about a woman at a parish council meeting which is discussing uh, planning uh, a fate but the meeting seems to be going on a very long time and all is not quite as it seems. Uh, Any more than that would be a spoiler. I'm really proud of this story. Uh, I really think people are going to like it so I'll put a link to the book uh, on Amazon in the description for uh, this podcast. Please go take a look at it. very, very cool. The Sci-Fi Roundtables uh, book has a lot of great stories from a lot of great writers in it, and mine as well. Uh, the other bit of uh, me-related news, uh, Inklings Press, the next anthology for that, uh, we have a title for it now, I don't know if I remember whether we had one when I spoke to you last time, uh, it is going to be called Tales of Magic and Destiny, that will also feature one of my stories, and in Levin other brilliant stories. We've settled on the uh, uh, authors for that and we're going through edits right now. It is going to be a barnstorming uh, Inklings Press anthology. Uh, I'm really proud of it. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, More on that as we get a release date for it, uh, probably a couple of months yet before that happens, but it's great. Look out for it. I will keep you posted. Fantastic. So let's talk about what's happening today. I am very proud uh, that this podcast and uh, next month's as well, and possibly the one after that, uh, more on that in a moment, uh, is basically in collaboration uh, with a brand new anthology uh, which is coming out called Gunsmoke and Dragonfire. Uh, This is an anthology edited by uh, Diane Morrison and is a fantasy western anthology. So it's packed full of stories uh, which take a bit of sort of fantasy elements uh, and mash them together uh, with the western genre for some really interesting uh, and creative uh, images and ideas on show. Uh, I am going to be reading a story from that anthology for you today and it's rather cool, I really like it. Uh, And I'm going to be reading another one for you uh, next month. Uh, The reason I said it might be the month after that uh, is because uh, I'm also thinking of reading the one I submitted. I didn't get in the anthology, (laughs) but I did submit a story for this anthology, uh, and I'm going to read you my story, uh, but not until after the anthology is out, because I want you to get uh, a taste for what's really going to be in the book, so you can get as psyched about it as I am, and you go off and buy it as well. So the book is Gunsmoke and Dragonfire. It is available for pre-order now on Amazon. I'll put a link to that in the description as well. And also, if you are listening to this podcast pretty sharpish from when I put it out, uh, there are uh, just over a week uh, of 
the uh, Kickstarter for this anthology as well, uh, where you can get access to a whole load of rewards and uh, special things uh, like your name in the credits and all that kind of good stuff uh, for uh, a relatively cheap sum, all the way up to some more exciting rewards if you if you put in a bit more for that. Uh, so that's the gunfire and uh, sorry. It's the Gunsmoke and Dragonfire, a fancy Western anthology uh, on Kickstarter. Uh, and uh, it's got some good stuff in there. It has got some Inklings representation, not uh, mine, as I say. I'm not bitter. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. It's some good stories. Uh, but it has got a story from Ricardo and from Brent, uh, from our Inklings writers. So go support the book. Go support them. Uh, it's fab. Anyway. Uh, the story we've got for you today uh, is a, a brand new story uh, for this anthology. Uh, it's by a, an author I've not read before uh, called uh, Carrie Gesner. Uh, I think it's a really good story. And um, here it is. Lonesome by Carrie Gesner. The log split as Rin drove her axe through it. She was halfway through her work for the day when the sun peeked over the horizon to light her homestead in pinkish grey. Sleep rarely came easily, and when it did, it came accompanied by nightmares even worse than the memories. The work cleared her head, and the dark didn't bother her, not with her elven vision. Legally, the land encompassing her homestead and Lonesome, the town nestled in the valley below, belonged to neither humans nor elves, both of whom acted like the war still raged. As long as it stayed away from her land, Rin didn't much care. Even in the dawn chill, sweat soaked her shirt and the brim of her hat. She welcomed the ache in her shoulders from chopping wood. She welcomed any discomfort that took her mind from the constant twinge in her left hand, an unfortunate souvenir of her service. She rubbed idly at the scar tissue on her palm as she paused to watch the sunrise paint the sky orange. Another day about to begin. Another day that would inevitably be just like all the days that had come before. In her darkest moments, she wished she could trade the dullness and emptiness of this life for the horrors she'd experienced in the war. That was why she had to work to keep her body busy and keep her mind from that dark place. She stacked the last of the wood and headed to the barn to feed the pegasi, cali greyhounds and unicorns. The animals she stabled, fewer than a dozen in all, had been used as mounts by the elven army until injuries rendered them of no further use. She was a lot like them, she supposed. Rin dumped feed into each of their troughs and opened the stall doors. Once the creatures were through with their meal, they'd meander into the pasture to laze in the sun. She traipsed back to the farmhouse. Humphrey greeted her at the door. He was a small thing, as all his species were, about the size of her forearm, and agile enough to crawl all over when he was excited. His deep blue scales shimmered in the early sunlight as he scuttled up her leg and torso to perch on her shoulder. "'Hey, boy,' she said, giving him a scratch. Her voice was rough with disuse. He leaned into her touch, eyes closing in satisfaction. Unlike her, he usually slept through the night. She cooked breakfast, scrambled eggs and toast with jam, and sat down at the wobbly kitchen table she hadn't been bothered to fix. Humphrey didn't care either. He leapt from her shoulder to the table surface to gulp down a torn-off hunk of bread. That was when Rin heard it, the gallop of horse hooves approaching. Stay here, she said to Humphrey. Then she grabbed her rifle from the corner, stormed out the front door, and aimed it in the direction of town. The clop-clop-clop grew louder, her trigger finger twitched, and her heart beat wildly. 
She took a slow, steady breath to calm it. As the horse and its rider galloped around a bend in the path, Rin let the rifle barrel drop halfway. The rider was human, female with pale skin and long blonde hair that streamed behind her. The tavern owner, Etta or Hattie or something like that. What the hell was she doing here? More curious than wary, Rin hopped down the porch steps. When the horse reached her, the rider slid down from the saddle. Please, you have to help me said the woman, out of breath, frantic to get her point across. She spoke in a rush. I didn't know who else to turn to, but you're an elf, so you might know where the hell they've taken her. Rin slung the rifle over her shoulder. Taken who? And who's taken them? Lonesome saw its share of crime, but it tended toward public drunkenness and petty theft, not kidnapping. The woman swiped a hand through hair blown wild by the wind. She could barely speak, but... Rin suspected it was from hysteria rather than physical exertion. Rin held out her hands, careful not to touch the human. They were sensitive like that. Take a breath. Take a breath, she said soothingly. The woman did as Rin said. When her breathing had almost returned to normal, Rin said, Now, tell me what happened and why you need my help. She had picked up that much in the woman's flurry of words. The part that stumped her was why any townsperson would seek her out. She came into town once a week or so for supplies and a drink, and yes, she knew the tavern owner by sight. But friends weren't her strong suit. Besides, she knew they found her broody and maybe a bit frightening, which is why they left her alone on the hill. They took Gwyn. Gwyn, that's... she's my sister. Oh. Rin's eyebrows rose in surprise. She was terrible at estimating humans' ages, and so she'd assumed the brood that hung around the tavern and spilled out into its all-too-small living space on the second floor with a woman's children. Which one was Gwyn? You said they took her. Who? And why? Elves, the woman said, meeting Rin's gaze. They took her because she's one of them. Her full name's Gwyndarian. Rin narrowed her eyes. There was an elf, a girl in the tavern brood. The few times she'd ventured into the establishment, Rin had always pretended not to notice, had not wanted the memories the girl raked up, however unintentionally. She took a step back. And why me? What am I supposed to do about it? The woman gestured at Rin's ears. You're an elf. You know what they do. You might know where they took her. You could get her back. We aren't all the same. Unless you have something to identify who exactly took her, there's no hope. A determined gleam appeared in the woman's eye and she reached for Rin's left hand. Rin jerked it away, grimaced when her nerves ignited with pain. She let out a slow breath as the flare subsided. Sorry, the woman said. I only wanted to show that she's she's like you. That can mean only one thing, but Rin didn't believe it. She didn't want to believe it. Mages, even elf mages, were rare. So rare they were valuable, and valuable meant they were used up much too soon. Poor girl. Her decision wasn't a decision at all. Wait in the tavern for me, Rin said. If I'm not back in three days' time, well, I won't be coming back at all. And I'll need your horse. I have another back in the tavern. Rin was already marching back into the farmhouse to gather preparations, so she didn't quite see where the woman was going. I'll just need the one. No, I'm coming with you. 
Rin stopped and turned on the porch. It's too dangerous for a human. She's my sister. She's not even blood-related to you. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to leave her. Who's going to look after the others? Alice is thirteen. She can take care of them while we're gone. Rin took her hat off to wipe the sweat from her brow. She squinted into the rising sun. Fine, but follow my lead. She jerked her chin towards town. Ready a horse for me. I'll meet you at the tavern as soon as I can. It'll be faster if I wait for you when we ride together. Rin conceded with a nod. Inside she grabbed two rucksacks, tossed one to the woman, and gestured to the kitchen. Here, fill this with food. The woman gripped the sack but didn't turn. My name's Nettie, by the way. Rin paused. She'd never been one to adhere to human social customs or even particularly pay attention to them. Nettie. You can call me Rin. At the noise of their entrance, Humphrey scurried out of the kitchen and blinked up at Nettie. And that's Humphrey, Rin said. She filled her own sack with weapons and ammunition. If they were going where she thought they were going, they'd need them, along with a hefty dose of luck. Sweat soaked through the underarms and collar of Rin's shirt as they rode the horses hard. Humphrey had refused to be left behind, and so he'd curled up in her side satchel out of the wind and sun. Her rifle was tucked into a saddle scabbard. Two revolvers rested in belt holsters and a knife stuck in her right boot. Without her magic, human weapons were her best chance at getting Gwyn back. At surviving. The land stretched before them, scrubby grass, red mesas, snow-capped mountains in the distance. Even in this situation, she couldn't be out in the midst of it and not feel some sense of awe. If she was going to die, at least it would be under the wide open sky. They set up camp for the night in the shadow of a mesa, out of sight of Orvasia, a prominent town in the Elven territories. It was the town Rin had spent much of her adulthood in, the town that held so much darkness. Rin got a modest fire going, and Humphrey scuttled around the sand as Nettie unwrapped their cheese, bread and dried meat. Rin thanked Nettie as she handed over a bandana full of food, and then sat back to contemplate her companion. Although unused to hard riding and surely stiff with it, she hadn't complained once. The harshness of the terrain out here had made even Rin, who was more accustomed to it, want to complain. But she'd held her tongue. Between bites, Nettie said, We haven't discussed payment. No need, Rin said gruffly. She wouldn't take it, not for this job. To stop any protests from Nettie, she gestured to the revolvers strapped to her belt. You know how to handle those. If I didn't, I wouldn't be alive. Good. They were going to need that skill, that spark. Rin could do a lot of things alone, but knowing what she knew about what was coming, this wouldn't be one of them. And a rifle? Yep. Rin tore off a hunk of bread and chewed as she dug through her rucksack. In the bottom was a box of bullets, the tips tinged with a toxin that interacted with elven blood. It wouldn't kill them, not if it was treated within hours, but it was mighty painful. She loaded her rifle with them, and then handed them to Nettie so she could load hers too. Where do you get these? Nettie asked, and from her tone it was clear she recognised what they were. Rin didn't look up. I procured them in case of emergencies. Nettie shivered, but she loaded the gun and said, So what's the plan for the morning? 
Rin rested her forearms on her thighs. You're going to town alone. Ask the first person you come across for Lysix. Tell them that Erinaria Neovin sent you. Tell them to send Lysix out here, and only Lysix. And then what? Rin stared hard into the fire. And then we'll resolve this as peacefully as she lets us. She rolled out her blanket, took off her hat, and lay down. The night was clear and the stars above burned brightly. That was Rin's favourite thing about living out here. With a sky like that, she could never feel quite alone. What happened? Nettie asked quietly. To your hand, I mean. Most people were too afraid to ask. Took a bullet. Close range. Not the full story, of course. She massaged her palm, and, because she'd grown up to believe you didn't give answers without getting any in return, she asked, What happened to your parents? All she knew was they'd left Nettie the tavern shortly after Rin had arrived in Lonesome. Elves? After a long moment, Nettie quietly said, Humans. Then she turned her back to Rin and made it clear the conversation was over. After a sparse breakfast... Nettie rode into town and Rin stayed behind in the shadow of the mesa. She fed and watered her horse before sitting down to wait on Lysik's arrival. But waiting didn't suit her, not when the moment was so close. She checked that her guns were cleaned and loaded, checked that the knife slid easily from her boot. Somehow, though, she sensed this wouldn't come down to bullets from a distance. Something so personal couldn't. Unmoving as a statue... Humphrey on her shoulder, she stared into the distance until Nettie returned and informed her the gang leader was on her way, and, like Rin suspected, she wasn't coming alone. Nettie took up her rifle and her position in the shadows. I could just shoot them all, she suggested grimly, only once you get Gwyn's location, of course. Everyone's fair game, except Lysix herself, she's mine. Nettie gave a nod. When Lysix and her people approached, Rin clambered down the hill leading from the mesa and onto the flat land, stopping twenty paces away. Lysix dropped off her horse, but the other four, all faces Rin recognised, faces Rin had once commanded, stayed mounted. She rested her right hand on the revolver at her hip. Well, 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 if it isn't Erinaria Nyavin, Lysix drawled. Never thought you'd show your face around here again. Smirking, she jutted her chin at Rin's belt. Resorting to guns now. How the mighty have fallen. Call off your goons, Rin said. Goons? We were your friends once, Rin. Don't call me that. One of Lysix's goons, Viren, said, Leave her to me, boss. Before he could get his leg over the saddle, though, a shot rang out. The bullet impacted in his shoulder, and he toppled off his horse with a grunt of pain. A shadow crossed Lysix's face. She had obviously forgotten about Nettie, had obviously written her off as just a messenger, just a lowly human. Rin sucked in a breath of surprise. Then she said, Bet him get him to a physician soon. I hear those bullets do a real number on an elf. Lysix held her stare for a moment before gesturing to the others. They gathered up their fallen companion and headed back to town, leaving only Lysix and Rin and Nettie up in the shade of the mesa. Rin's chest felt tight. Alone for so long, she'd forgotten what it was like to be able to rely on someone to have her back.
I'm here for the girl you took, she said. Lysix laughed. We took a lot more than that from you in the past. Yuchi never sought revenge. Why now? What is she to you? She's me, Rin thought. Only with a sister who loved her enough to risk her own life, not a family who spat her out when they were done with her. She's no one to me, Rin said, left hand twinging with pain. The relentless sun beat down on them, and sweat beaded uncomfortably on her neck. Then why come for her? Because I was hired, and because she doesn't belong to you. I don't answer to you, Rin. You never did, Rin said. She stared hard at Lysix, so she didn't miss the twitch of her lip or the slight furrow in her brow. Did you? Tell me, were you plotting your coup your very first night with us? You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? Like to think I was a bad seed from the get-go? Like to think you had nothing to do with my betrayal, with your own downfall? Lysix shook her head, like she was disappointed. You always were a sentimental fool. It's why you're here now, risking your life for a girl you don't even know. What do you want with her? To turn her into a weapon? Rin asked. Because Lysix herself didn't have magic, so she needed Gwyn, an elf mage. And the reason she needed an elf mage? Because the war isn't over in your mind. Is that it? For Lysix, it would never be over. She was the kind of person whose rage overruled sense. There was no other way for this to end but violently. You're tiresome, Rin. Always have been. Lysix put her hands on her hips. What's your game here, then? I pull a weapon and your friend up there shoots me? I don't think so. I've no desire to kill you. Just let me have the girl and I'll be on my way. Lysix's eyes were cold, unfeeling. Rin wondered how she'd never seen it before. Lysix rolled up her sleeves. Then we'll settle this how we used to. No weapons, just fists. Whoever can stand at the end of this gets the girl. Before Rin could agree, Lysix lunged. Rin landed hard on her back, Lysix weight on top of her. Pain erupted in Rin's face as Lysix landed two punches, one to her eye and one to her mouth. Spitting out blood, Rin managed to throw Lysix off. Lysix recovered first, though, and got her arm around Rin's neck before Rin could scramble to her feet. Lysix tightened her hold. On her knees, Rin coughed and clawed at the arm around her throat. Once I kill you, Lysix growled, how long do you think it'll take for the world to forget you? A day? An hour? You think your principles meant something? But all they got you was exile from the only place you ever called home. Fury bubbled in Rin's chest. She'd lost everything that day, her magic, her family, her life. But she'd rather be friendless on the lonely homestead than continue to bloody her hands in a senseless, unwinnable war. She rammed her elbow into Lysix's stomach. Lysix didn't let go, but her grip loosened enough for Rin to wriggle out of it. She kicked Lysix in the chest, knocked her to the dusty ground, and slid the knife out of her boot. Kneeling, she plunged the knife into Lysix's left palm. Lysix screamed, and then her screams turned into obscenities. Breathing heavily, Rin sat back on her haunches and regarded her old friend, someone she thought of as a sister. Did it feel as good as you imagined? Lysix taunted, 
spittle flying from her lips. All these nights you've lain awake and dreamed of this moment. Are you satisfied, friend? Rin licked her lips. Was she? In a heartbeat she'd taken the magic out of the woman who'd taken hers. And yet she felt no differently. She was still as empty as a dried-up well in a drought. She got to her feet, took a revolver from its holster, and aimed between Lysix's eyes. No, she said, and she pulled the trigger. The conversations in the tavern ceased as soon as Rin walked in. Unused to the attention, she inhaled and exhaled deeply to calm her racing heart. With her bruised and busted face and dirty clothing, she must look a fright. Behind her, Nettie clomped her boots on the slatted floors to shake the dust off. She stepped up beside Rin, their shoulders brushing. The contact, however light, spurred Rin into action. "'We're here for the girl,' she announced. No one had to ask which. Under the protection of a mesa, Gwyn lay down to sleep. Rin watched her from across the fire. She'd wanted to make it the whole way back to Lonesome by nightfall, but Gwyn was nine, and she'd been through an ordeal, and she was exhausted. From her place next to Gwyn, Nettie studied Rin's face. Quietly, she said, Let's get you cleaned up. I'm fine, Rin said. Even though they'd kept their voices low, Gwyn sat up. She sloughed off her blanket, walked around the fire to where Rin sat, and touched her cheek with her left hand. There was a question in her brown eyes. Terrified, Rin nodded. Gwyn released her magic. Rin's breath caught, and she closed her eyes. She hadn't felt the touch of magic since her own had been taken from her. After all this time, she'd forgotten how calming it was. When she opened her eyes again, the pain had receded. Thank you, she said, her voice hoarse with emotion. Gwyn smiled at her, in the way only a child can smile, without deception or hidden motives, and she lay back down to sleep. After a moment or two, her breathing evened out. Rin watched her. She'd stay awake all night to watch her. Nettie, who seemed to have the same idea, put a pot of water on the fire to boil for tea and then, blanket around her shoulders, sat next to her. Thank you, Nettie said softly. I can't thank you enough for bringing her back to me. Rin didn't respond. She couldn't. Not when it was so clear now that the only thing in the wide world she wanted was to be loved by family as fiercely as Nettie loved Gwyn. Nettie took the pot off the fire and fixed up two cups of tea. She handed one to Rin and sat beside her. Lysix was the one who shot your hand, wasn't it? she asked. She took your magic. Rin's jaw tightened at the memory of them holding her down and pumping bullets into her palm as Lysix watched. She'd been lucky they hadn't completely shredded the muscles. Only mostly. Though her hand hurt almost constantly, at least she could use it. She sipped the tea, so hot it burned the top of her mouth. Strangely, she didn't feel the need to confirm Nettie's assumption aloud. Nettie coaxed the cup out of Rin's hand, pushed her gently to the ground, and covered her with a blanket. Rest now. I'll keep watch. Humphrey curled up in the pocket of her collarbone, and Rin slept. 
Back in Lonesome, Gwyn insisted on having Rin stay for dinner, and because it was Gwyn, Rin couldn't say no. So after their five siblings hugged Gwyn and Nettie tight, the eight of them squeezed around the dining table in the upper story of the tavern. The tavern, though small, served its purpose, which was to provide a space for people to drink and forget. But this level left much to be desired. Everything from the two thin mattresses on the floor at one end to the beat-up table at the other spoke of there being too many people and too little room. The kids didn't seem to mind. Alice and Xander, the two oldest, had made a fine supper of chicken, boiled potatoes and asparagus. The younger ones were especially amused by Humphrey, who dashed around the room and leaped onto the furniture and the children. He seemed to be grateful to have an audience that wasn't Rin's surly presence. "'I thought dragons were big!' said Elian, the youngest boy. "'This is about as big as his species gets,' Rin said. "'You've got to go north to see the big ones.' His eyes went wide with excitement. After supper, they had tea and sweet cakes, while the kids, one by one, dropped off to sleep. Gwyn slept with her head in Rin's lap. Surprisingly, she found she didn't mind the contact. Humphrey dozed near the hearth. Nettie's eyes were drooping too. Rin should go soon, though there was one thing that had been bothering her all night. They're all war orphans, she asked quietly. Nettie answered with a nod. It's good of you to take care of them. We do what we can for family, even the ones we don't expect, Nettie said. Alice was the first. I was already grown when she came to us. Family. That was something Rin had once. Here in the glimmer of firelight, she thought it might be possible again. Cup in hand, she gestured around the room. A bit small for so many of you. Nettie smiled gently. We get by. It's a better life than they would have had as orphans, and with them my life is full instead of empty. Congestion comes with the territory. Rin cleared her throat. <clears throat> it's just my homestead's mighty big for just one person. Could use some extra hands with the animals, the crops. Be lots of room to sleep, to live. That's very kind, Nettie said, her gaze dropping. But as crammed as we are in here, I couldn't bear to split the family up. You misunderstand. I wasn't suggesting splitting you up. You're thinking too much. You have to feel it, Rin said, as she crouched, hands on her knees in front of Gwyn. The pasture spread wide around them. It's too hard, Gwyn said, looking discouraged. It is hard. It's got to be. You don't use magic. You earn its trust, its companionship, and that takes time. Rin bopped her chin. That's it for tonight. She sat down in the tall grass and Gwyn followed suit. Rin took off her hat, lay back, and watched the clouds meander across the darkening sky as the sun sank closer and closer to the horizon. What are we doing? Gwyn whispered. Breathing, Rin said, listening to the crickets watching the clouds. We're letting ourselves be. Because that's how the magic gets in. Yeah, Rin said. That's how the magic gets in. Soon, too soon, the dinner bell rang and Gwyn raced back to the house. Rin took one last deep breath, 
one last look at the sky. She put her hat back on as she traipsed through the long grass and smiled when Nettie greeted her at the door, part of the nightly routine. Smells delicious, Rin said. Tastes delicious too, Nettie said with a chuckle. In the dining room, the entire family, for that's what they'd become, sat comfortably around the new table Rin had made to accommodate them. With six kids, supper was a raucous affair, but Rin found it preferable to the solitary quiet of her life before. She even liked that it was her job to clean the table and the dishes while Nettie and the others sat in the parlour in the warmth of the fire playing games and telling stories. Humphrey, too, loved the new arrangement because it meant he got lots of attention all day long. Once games were played and stories told and everyone retired for the night, Rin sat at the edge of her mattress. With gentle, steady hands, Nettie wrapped her left palm in a cloth, dampened with a tincture that smelled like peppermint. It was a human remedy, something Rin had never heard of. The pain would recede and stay away until the following evening. Once she'd tied off the bandage, Nettie smiled and said, Rest now. Rin settled back on the bed and she closed her eyes with no fear of nightmares. And there we have it. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I say, I think it's a really good, solid story. Um, <laughs> somewhat challenging to have quite so many female characters in there. I'm not sure I did justice to all of their voices, but uh, uh, nevertheless, a lot of fun to read uh, and I really hope you had some fun with it yourselves. As I said before, uh, the book it's going to be in is called Gunsmoke and Dragonfire. It is due out in the middle of March, I believe. Uh, there are a few days left on the Kickstarter to be part uh, of uh, supporting this anthology. I do recommend uh, that to your attention. Uh, and next month I will be reading another story for the anthology to sort of celebrate the launch of the book. Uh, and that one is called... Oh, let me just check... Uh, that one is called Red Tide Rising. Uh, it's a bit more of a sci-fi fantasy western way. Uh, anyway, uh, so thank you very much for listening. That's it for me uh, for this week. Uh, go check out the links for all this stuff that I've put in the description uh, for this podcast. Uh, there's rather many links this time. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.